At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm 19 Keys and this is High Level Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Goldwater. Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about aliens. Yeah. I can't have Mr. Billy Carson on here without talking about aliens. <laughs> my theory is aliens are black men. Yeah. That's my theory. Now, that uh, of course this comes from many different sources, but I remember I was reading something watching it rather, I can't tell you the difference. Mm -hmm. What it was talking about, you know, spacesuits, human spacesuits and how human beings will have to change if they were traveling in space, yeah. right? Number one, there's more radiation, so mm -hmm. you're gonna have to have darker melanin skin. With that lack of gravity, you will have a smaller, less dense body. So you're right. going to be a skinny, dark skinned, big head, mm -hmm. black man or woman. <laughs> you yeah. understand me? So yeah. You know, these are spacesuits. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we deal with radiation. That's yeah. what the melanin does. Yeah. You it feel me? radiation in the heat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what, what is, uh, do you believe in aliens? I believe in aliens. Uh, are you an alien? Well, you know, we're all aliens. You know what I'm saying? Alien, I might have answered like that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say this brother be thinking, man, he might be an alien. <laughs> A lot of people say that, but I think that we are the aliens, you know? Um, when you talk to the aboriginals, I went to Australia. I went on a walkabout, yeah. eight miles out into the, into the doggone nowhere nothingness. I mean, just yeah. out there, man, with the fires. Yeah. Okay? This is right before the lockdown came. And um, I'm out there looking for these ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs mm. in uh, Karyong 9 in Australia, which mm. we found them. Mm. We sent those glyphs to the Board of Antiquities of, uh, of Egypt, and they authenticated them as being authentic proto-Egyptian hieroglyphs. And so my conversation with the elders was, you know, what is your homegrown, handed down verbal history? Because they have a verbal history. And the Aboriginal elders said that they were seated on this planet. They said that the Pleiadians brought them to Earth, and they were the first people on Earth. Those are black Aboriginals. Who are the Pleiadians? The Pleiadians, if you look up in the sky at night, there's this area of the sky where they call them the Seven Sisters. Homer's Iliad talks about them. They're so talked about in the Bibles, talked about in Sumerian tablets, uh, the Greeks, the Romans, they all look up to the Pleiades. 
Uh, it's actually, they, we call them the seven sisters because only seven bright, bright stars you can see with the naked eye, but there's many more stars there. But in that region of the sky, according to so many ancient texts and so many ancient civilizations, there was advanced civilizations there. Mm. Uh, before this area had any inhabitants, that was the region or sector of, of the galaxy that had a lot of life. But a big war broke out. And in this war, there was uh, something being used called the Brahmahanda weapon, okay? The Brahmahanda weapon, which, which actually could destroy planets. And this weapon would, would blow up planets. And imagine if you're in a star, in a star system and there's planets blowing up, debris, planet-sized debris is crashing into your planet. So this created a space refugee situation, kind of, you know. Space refugees. Yeah, space refugees. And they started fleeing and going out to different stars, Orion, Aldebaran, Zeta Reticulus, you know, all these different star systems, Sirius, uh, Draco. This is why they had the Draco? Oh, yeah, the Draco star system is up there. That's what the, the Great Pyramid in Giza and Cairo is aligned with those, with, Ky with Draco, uh, Aldebaran, Orion, and Sirius. Mm. And so uh, we were like, man, what's going on here? So you, the, the more you dig into this text, it's like, man, these people fled from war, reestablished themselves on other planets, and they eventually found this solar system and came down here and created another breakaway civilization. These were the Atlantean people. Now, when you analyze the text, it gives descriptions of these peoples from time to time. And if you look at, for example, the Sphinx in Egypt, you look at the features on the Sphinx, you can see it's a, it's a face of a black person, mm -hmm. right? And what's interesting is some of these Anunnaki, they were more uh, albino, not all of them. Some had albino-type skin. They weren't Caucasian white, but they had albino skin, but they had the African features. Some of them had blue eyes, but they had the knotted hair. Like Prometheus. Right, kind of like that. But Prometheus is still kind of really more almost like milk white. If you look at a black mulatto, yeah, yeah, a black yeah. or, or a black person that has that, you know, More that skin condition, glow. Yeah. yeah, and um, but they had the knotted hair, knotted blonde hair, and blue eyes. A lot of them, like the Aborigines. Yeah, like the Aboriginals, and also the people of Melanesia, mm. right here, you know, in Asia. And so I did a whole story on those, a whole TV show on those before. So I really dug deep into it. I was like, wow, these people are really potentially not from this planet. And so the more you analyze it and realize, wow, then other people from other star systems brought humans here. This is like, this were earth is like, like- parents abandoning their kids? No, no, what it was is like, <laughs> they were trying to find a place to keep their, their you know, their, their, their civilization going. Not, not like the species going, mm -hmm. okay? And so that's why you have people that look Asian and people that look Caucasian and people that look black and people look, there's a mixture of people, according to what I've read, that appear to be dropped off here. This is like an abandoned seed colony, this planet. Interesting. Uh, you know, and then after that, much later, these other people showed up, these other Anunnaki people showed up, took advantage of a situation where people were in a lower state of consciousness. They were uh, not technologically advanced. We were more advanced spiritually. So when they were dropped off, you saying that the races were dropped off or were they all dark-skinned, melanated people? The first people on this planet were all black. And then you find something interesting in the Emerald Tablets. After Thoth comes to the land of Kem to help rebuild civilization because the great the flood had destroyed Kem. After he does it, he tells his people that he brought with him. He brought people with him from other planets. And they went around the planet. He said, go around the planet and duplicate what we did here. Now, this is my personal belief. This is not in any text. I always tell you the difference between what I believe and what, I, what I've read. Mm -hmm. Now, these people, for example, if I'm now going to be the king or the ruler of 
Asia, and I have, I look, I'm a being from a place that looks Asian, I'm going to brand those people. I think they genetically branded people to look, in other words, these are my people. Look at them, they look just like me. And the reason why I say that is because if you go and, talk and look in the genetic books, the ge geneticists actually discovered that the difference between a black person, a white person, an Asian person, uh, a Native American person, 2% variance in genes. But that 2% variance that makes a different race altogether couldn't happen in 200,000 years. That's the only about a, amount of time we've been here. So they're saying it would have taken millions, multi-millions of years for that to happen, naturally. Now, from my studies, there's no records of Caucasians past 6,000 years. See, Caucasians are the newest race on the planet. They're the newest race. If you look at the Sumerian tablets, the Caucasians came from out of the Caucasus Mountains. It says something to the effect of when they were in the Caucasus, they then, uh, he said, the, the, the exact terminology was that they, um, uh, there's a certain term that they use for that. Uh, not manufactured the Caucasian, but they said that they had, uh, uh, the word will come back to me. It's, a ter it's like they made them in a way. If it's uh -huh. something, it, it's, uh, it's a terminology that they use, it'll come back to me, that how they made the Caucasian. But that, they're the newest being on the planet, yeah. according to these texts. The, the other races were already here. We had blue people, green people. You had uh, you know, black, you had uh, yellow. This would be a great movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, there's a belief that, based on studying the Anunnaki, that they are coming back. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Yeah. So you tell us a little bit about that. Well, in all the texts, they always say that they're going to return. The reason why they left was there was a pyramid war. It was a second pyramid war. Amun-Ra, also known as Marduk. You can look up Marduk's name in the, in the Torah. He's in the Bible. He's in the Sumerian tablets. These guys are everywhere. He's Amun-Ra. Um, he started a war because he wanted to uh, extend his kingship. He wanted to take over kingship in other areas that he wasn't supposed to on the planet and so forth and so on. And so that war was nuclear. They used weapons and the reason why you know it's nuclear because the description of the way that the people were dying, it was that they said the black people, this specifically says that their nails were falling out, their hair was falling out, blood was coming out of their eyes. This is radiation sickness, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so we know that it was a nuclear war. When you go into those regions, the, the Mohenjo-Daro in the Indus Valley, the buildings there turn to glass. They're still sitting there. The bodies are, still laying, the bodies are laying in the street holding hands. Nobody's, no animals have scavenged on those bodies. They're still laying there. Uh, you go to Africa, to, to Cairo, and you go to uh, Giza, if you put your hand in the sand and pull up, every now, every now and then you pull up balls of glass. That's what they used to carve the scarab beetles out of because they're making an ode to the gods for the war that happened. So uh, to turn sand into glass, you have to have 3,000 degree temperature blast, right? So we know that there was a war that happened uh, that created this situation, you know? So it's just really amazing, man. The technology we have now is just a copycat of what they already had back then. And that war is what really caused them to want to flee. In one of the tech tablets, uh, Enki goes to Anu and says, can you please stop the evil wind? That's what they call it. That's the nuclear fallout. He's like, there's nothing I can do. Forebode and get in your ship. And so he told him, like, turn around, man. Get in that ship. You got, we got to get out of here because this mm -hmm. thing is coming. And they said that that evil wind covered the land and killed all the animals, the people, and everything else. Um, and a lot of these people never came back. But they said that, you know, that they'll be coming back. Now, there's two ways to look at it. One way is some of the offspring is still here on this planet. Uh, you know, probably most likely maybe that ruling elite class. 
And then it's said that there will be some type of a future situation where they will return and take back claim of the rightful kingship of this planet. So, and in the Emerald Tablets, it says the same thing, which is interesting because it's even older than those tablets. It's, old, it's like 36,000 years old. And it says that far in the future, an enemy will come from deep space. So it's pretty interesting. No, it's definitely interesting. Now, what are the different type of aliens? You know, because you got the grays, you got yeah, the blacks. Yeah. I want to know what's the different type of aliens. There's all kinds. You well, you have black people. I think most of the UFOs that are flying overhead are being piloted by black people. Now, that's my personal opinion. Now, that's very interesting because Honorable Elijah Muhammad said mm. decades ago that there was a mothership up there. Mm. You understand me? And he gave a, a full description of the mechanics of the mothership, how it was piloted. Yeah. You understand me? How the people lived. Wow. Um, and he said, I believe it was made in uh, Japan. You understand me during that time and you know he was the first to introduce the concept of like aliens and telling the government you understand me that yeah. the mothership was going to destroy them wow. with these different type of bombs that they had and he gave a breakdown on how many baby planes that were there wow. and that there were black men and women up there mm. like it's, it's a very detailed account mm. and then after that the 1930s wow. is when they started to create those programs towards uh, uh, um, observing UFOs and then started to create counter stories mm -hmm. of why yeah. they were UFOs, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But Donald Elijah Muhammad maintained his knowledge of UFOs and the account of their existence, and so does the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan mm. today. And number one, I don't believe the UFO community gives any real reverence and appreciation to what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was doing back in those days. Yeah. And he did um, that; he was ahead of his time. Oh yeah, for surely. Oh, he was ahead. He was breaking it down back then. You understand wow. me? He was. He was. He was like, listen, man. Here's the people of Mars. We got the yeah. mothership up there. Yeah. You understand me? There's black people in the mothership. They yeah. got the baby planes. They got these certain type of missiles. Wow. When they drop, it's gonna do this, that, and the third. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't without detail. Wow. You understand me? And he told them, this is how it worked. Mm. This is how they were able to build it. This is how they funded the sources to yeah. be able to build it. They were a collective of scientists that was able to come together. Mm -hmm. Like, why, how long it stays in the atmosphere? How wow. long does it have to come down here? Like, it's, it's a very detailed account. Wow. And it's funny because yeah. there's many things that are controversial towards the nation of Islam. I've never seen any, like... Scott, I've never seen the government itself attack that aspect of the nation. They don't Islam, say nothing about that. Which either. I would think would be the most open yeah. part you would talk about. Like, hey, this man talks this, that, and the third. Let's yeah. attack this. He's crazy. Yeah. But that's never been, wow. you understand me, uh, um, something that they use as a point of attack. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which is very interesting to note. So I always grew up um, with the idea of UFOs and aliens. Yeah. You understand me? Um, just as you know, a knowledge in the household. Yeah, yeah. People just get scared. They think that we're talking about little green men. Yeah. Now we're talking about men and women, yeah. people that look just like us. Yeah. The majority, I think, of, of people that we call aliens look just like us, yeah. in my opinion. I would imagine, and if you got to understand, if I'm an alien, I'm up there, I wouldn't want to come to Earth. Yeah, no, it's just, a ghetto. Like, if, if I got a little alien TV, Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm watching the reality Earth, the reality TV Earth. That's, That's what it was called, it's called Episode Reality TV Earth. <laughs> and I'm flipping these different channels and y'all yeah. tripping. Yeah. You know, I'm, oh, man, this is what the blood is doing. This is what the pharmacist? Yeah, I don't yeah. ever want to come down there. No. If I get caught, they throw me in the prison for life. If yeah. I don't know all their rules and I trip off, yeah. nah, guess what? I'm not coming down there. Yeah. Yeah. You understand me? That would just make sense to me. Yeah, it does. See, it was easier for them to interact with people when we had less technology. 
and we were more green, so to speak, because well, there was yeah. no there was no immediate threat on their life. There was nothing we could do. Matter of fact, we just we saw them as gods. Right. right. Now with all this technology and, and the military industrial complex wanting to weaponize anything they can get their hands on. Right. They want to take them down. They want to shoot them down. They want to get their, get their hands on them right. and see what they can turn into weapons. Right. What kind of technology can we convert into weapons for ourselves? How can we re reverse engineer this stuff? That's all they're focused on. Yeah, I mean, human beings are not nice. Right. You understand? We, like, we want to steal their technology and then use it for ourselves. And if yeah. we get them, most likely you'll capture them. They, they, the, the science of their biology and yeah. Who want to come to Earth with that? Turn them we into, all, you put them in a zoo. Yeah, we wonder if aliens are hostile, but we're already hostile. We're the hostile I mean, ones. We hostile to aliens of other countries. Yeah, I know. So I know we're going to be hostile to aliens from other planets. I know. It's crazy. It's <laughs> like, true. A guarantee. You understand? Yeah. It'd be like, you don't want to let a human being to uh, over one border to yeah. another. So you're telling line. me I'm coming from another planet, yeah. and y'all going to let me come kick it and share yeah. resources in life? Ain't no way. No Not going to happen. Especially, but, but the old saying is that, you know, if aliens have the technology in which we believe they have and the abilities to travel, yeah. and that means that, number one, they're much far advanced than we are, yeah. which requires a greater level of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so they would have more capabilities of wiping us out than we ever could imagine. Oh, yeah. You understand me? In ways that we wouldn't be able to see, yeah. right? As much as the human intelligence has evolved collectively because mm -hmm. you know I don't think that the average human being is that much more intelligent than somebody in the 1800s. Right. At Parker our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Besides the fact we have more access, mm -hmm. right? But when we talk about true human evolution, we're talking about upgrades of our DNA. Right. We're talking about upgrading in the processing of information mm -hmm. and how we output that to solve daily problems and right. issues. And the average person is not that intelligent. No. That's why we well, easily Well, the smartphones are making us dumber. Yeah, that's a super fact. Yeah. You understand me? And the radiation is destroying our ability to focus. Yeah. And human beings collectively need focus mm -hmm. in order to grow. Yeah. You understand me? Like, if you don't have no focus in your life, you're distracted to the point where you can't get birthed to none of your ideas. That's right. You understand me? So it's like, um, you, know, I, I, you know, aliens, I, I feel like, 
They, they, the concept of them are interesting, and I think that the world needs mysteries in mm -hmm. order to give us more reasons to be alive. Yeah. You understand me? Because the moment we figure out everything else, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, we know why the cosmos was created, how it was created, at every single point and step. That the reality of it is, is there's an impossibility for certain knowledge to be known. Mm -hmm. We can theorize based on our level of intelligence, but let, who's to say that the math that we have is like not baby's math? Right. You know, and then we discover a completely new type of math that allow us to phase through things and open portals and yeah. create different versions of reality and different right. colors to see. Like, mm -hmm. to say that there's not a science like that that exists, but the same way where we can only see a certain spectrum of the light, maybe our minds yeah. can only uh, um, compute a certain yeah. spectrum of knowledge. That's so true. We can only compute to a certain amount because it's only based on our level of consciousness. Right. But, and then, but that also means to me, though, that I don't believe in the idea of impossible. You understand me? I think that there's, there's something that exists that I don't measure size based on value. So it's like, let's say human beings are just a, a cell, you understand me, and uh, the bacteria of the universe. Yeah. You understand me? That doesn't mean we don't have value because the way that we experience reality is mm -hmm. our value in itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You understand me? That we are energy and that we wouldn't be in existence if we didn't have a level of value. Yeah. It's just that I think we come up with more systems to devalue ourselves than anything. Right. We think about how vast the universe is only to think about how small we are. Right. Human beings need to constantly downgrade themselves and constantly demean themselves yeah. to put themselves in their own place. Right. And in that thought process, we are becoming our own gods, sitting ourselves saying that humble yourself, humble mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. Always, we all, we try to find a million different ways to humble ourselves. Always, always. Because that would means to tell me that our brain is working to control how powerful we really are. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And, and let free and, and really understanding who you really are, that's when you just start creating more and more. Everything, any, when you get to that level, anything that you think of, you just do. Yeah. I, I just bought an electric guitar. I never played the guitar before. Yeah. I'm going to learn how to play the electric yeah. guitar. You know, my girl was like, you bought an electric guitar? I said, yeah, I just want to learn how to play it. You yeah. know, I bought a violin. I played the violin. I, whatever I want to do, I just, I just do it. Yeah. Because I see it as we are this, um, you know, we are this uh, entity here and the universe is vast. But I see it as I'm being part, I'm a part of something huge where other people say, see it as I'm just a speck in the dark. Right. You know what I'm saying? But so let me ask you this. Uh, you discovered a black satellite? The Black Knight satellite. I didn't discover it. It's already up there. <laughs> but. Well, you know how, you know the rules on this planet. Yeah, I know. You know, we're going by, we're going by Christopher Columbus law. Yeah, yeah. You discovered this, man. Yeah, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> And so what happened was I had heard about it and researched it years ago. Well, first, let's say, what is yeah. the Black Knight satellite? Okay, the Black Knight satellite is this an object. Like Batman got his... his I know. His this, this, it's crazy. This is real crazy. So this is an object orbiting the planet, and it's well documented. It's actually on the space agency servers. It's on the military servers. It's on university website servers. The, the, the object is that they've labeled it space junk. So what they're saying is, this object, which was detected all the way back in the, in the late 1800s by Nikola Tesla first, he picked up a signal from it. Then, in the 1950s, ham radio operators picked up a signal again and actually decoded the signal. 1960, Duncan Lunan wrote an article. He was a, he's a journalist for Time Magazine, wrote an article about the, uh, the object. It made Time Magazine. Uh, and then many more consequential articles came out about this object because why? It was changing its own orbits. It was in a first equatorial orbit, then it went to a polar orbit, 
When Sputnik was launched in 1964, it followed Sputnik to the moon. This thing is under intelligent control. Mm -hmm. It's about 15 tons, uh, 15,000 tons. And so what happened was the United States saw it up there, Russia saw it up there. Russia thought it was us, we thought it was Russia. Then they, we both said, wait a minute, we can't launch nothing like this. We don't even have this kind of technology. And so they were like, damn, what is this? So they really started looking at this thing and analyzing it. And we finally got a chance to see it close up personal with the STS missions, the space shuttle missions. Took HD quality video and photos of this thing. And they were like, wow, we're going to call it junk because we don't know what this is. They're afraid to touch it. They're afraid to move into it and, and try to, you know, take a piece of it to see if they don't know if it's going to have a, a defense mechanism or whatever. They just know this thing is orbiting the planet in a way that it shouldn't be orbiting. And the fact that it is giving off a signal that has been decoded as being the Epsilon Boltz constellation. But that's not a big deal. But the big deal about that is it's, it's giving the location of the constellation where it was in the sky 13,000 years ago. Mm. So this thing potentially could be 13,000 years old. And so what I did was I created a documentary, which is coming out in June, June the 5th, that hits the movie theaters. Uh, this object um, is um, it's still moving around, still making its own course corrections. And it is still giving off a signal. And the signal is still giving off the location. When you look into the Sumerian tablets, you find out that Enlil owns the Epsilon Boethus constellation, the same constellation that this thing is saying it's from. Mm. So that's probably one of his ships just up there chilling. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's his all-seeing eye. He had an all-seeing eye in the tablets. That's where they got it from for Lord of the Rings and all these things. All-seeing eye came out of the tablets. He had an all-seeing eye, so he could see what was going on on the planet at all times. See, when you have a planet oh, that's spinning... That's why you consider it a satellite. Yeah, a satellite. When your planet, planet is spinning on its as axis and you have something orbiting this way, it's able to take scans of the planet in a way that can give you a view of the entire planet mm. in, in so many hours. Right? Versus doing this way, you can only get what's going around the equator. But when you do this way, you can see the entire planet. And so he had that all-seeing eye. And what happened was Michio Kaku made an amazing statement that made me want to make this documentary. He said, in, in Epsilon, this about 10 years ago, there's a void. It's called the Epsilon Boethus Void. It's the largest empty space inside of a constellation that they know of in the universe. He said, but it looks like light is bending around something. He said, this looks like a type 1, type 2 civilization that's cloaked mm. in Epsilon. So when I found out about the signal coming from Epsilon, and Lil owns Epsilon in the Sumerian tablets, he's an Anunnaki, I said, I think this is all linked. And then I found, I found cylinder scrolls that show the Black Knight in ancient cylinder scrolls. So all this is going in the documentary, which is coming out very soon. Fascinating, man. I got yeah. one last thing to ask you about. You know, you've searched through thousands of pictures from the Mars rover. Yeah. And you've actually found a face. Face, anomalies. Famous stuff. face, though. Yeah. On Mars. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that, brother. Well, there's this object in Cydonia. Ironically, they call Cydonia on Mars, uh, you know, this area where there's this space and this, this, these pyramids. On Earth, Cydonia in ancient, ancient times was is Cairo. So they really know what they're doing. They're, giving, they're hiding mm -hmm. the truth in plain sight for us. But there's a gigantic four mile wide face there. And the face is right outside of a city, a pyramid city with a five sided pyramid. Now that, the city, the pyramids and this other debris, which looks like a, like a, a collapsed structure is in a format, which there's an angle of 19 <laughs> talk to me, man. degrees. Okay. Now, before you go to arrive to your next thought process, yeah. 
most people don't know about the number 19, that there are phenomena all across the, Uf, the, the universe, universe that are at angles of 19 degrees. That's right. Including Jupiter's red eye. Yeah. You're talking about Yellowstone Park, different volcanoes, yeah. all throughout the universe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so this is 19 degree angles making this triangle, right, where these landmarks are on Cydonia on Mars. The face, the, the, uh, the, the uh, five-sided pyramid, and this other, this other area where it looks like uh, a collapsed city. And so Avebury in the UK on Earth, right by Stonehenge, you have this city there where there's these artificial structures built up from dirt, mounds they call them, and these paths through the, through the land. If you take that Avebury ordinance map from the city, which is downloadable online, and overlay it on Cydonia, where the face is located, it's a perfect match. So somebody on Earth mimicked what was already on Mars, but the only thing is this was like in the 1600s. It was terraforming, you understand me, and replicating what was on Mars. Yeah, that's what was happening. Well, that's some interesting, that's some interesting dynamics right there, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing about what we can all agree about this planet Earth is that we don't know everything. No. You understand me? And there are schools of mystery and thoughts of mystery that maybe may be mystery for all eternity. Yeah. You understand me? Or maybe we know, but we don't have verification. Mm -hmm. And the uh, unfortunate aspect of now is that we need to verify everything so that it becomes evidence and fact. Exactly. Because I don't believe the Dogon people actually went to the, the constellations, no. you understand me, and mapped it out and then <laughs> came back. No. I think that they had a connection and an intuitive knowing and understanding that was downloaded transferable knowledge, you understand me? And uh, they didn't have any reason to question it. They wrote it down, this is mm -hmm. what we've seen because this is what came to us. Yeah. Why would information come to a people who are pure, uncorrupted from all of the images, information, the information that we get now in society. When I tell you what's a picture of, you know, an alien or picture of a mountain or picture of this place, yeah. you usually go into an image that you perceive as reality. What yeah. if a color corrected filter may never be what you actually think it is until you go and experience. Right. So, Unfortunately, we have all of this data and information in our head, which doesn't allow us to truly think like human beings connected to reality. Yeah. We are connected to the digital structures and they inform us on what reality actually is. You know, but I wanted to jump off of Earth for a second, you understand me, look above and see things from a different dimension. Yeah. Now, one thing that I do know is that I don't believe we have a beginning nor ending. Mm. You understand me? I think that the beauty of human soul and human spirit is that it is limitless. Mm -hmm. And we find different ways to go through experiences over yep. and over and over. And yep. I think that memories are too heavy to be carried over into whatever other phase that mm -hmm. we exist throughout life as energy transfer. Yeah. So we go through those things consistently. Mm -hmm. But I believe that, you know, we are, we are a source, you understand me, which gives us that same power. Yeah. And that regardless of wherever you at on this planet Earth, whatever condition, level, system, you know, whatever you believe in, you have the power to produce change. Yeah. And that can be measured scientifically, it can be measured theologically, it can be measured spiritually. Mm -hmm. There's enough evidence, if you need it, to showcase that you have the power to change whatever condition that you are in yeah. on this planet Earth. Yeah. You understand me? And at the same time, we have to realize that there's a game being played on our backs. Mm -hmm. And the only way that it's going to change is if we stand up. That's it. You understand me? And we tap into that energy, that inner intelligence that allows us to rule yeah. over our spectrum of reality. Yeah. I'm 19 Keys, and this is High Level Conversation. Gold is a very powerful substance. 
the reason why people, especially for example, people of color, really love gold is because it's one of the first things we were mining on this planet as a resource, a resource for advanced technology. And we were given the gold by the gods so we can actually adorn ourselves with it. We attributed that kind of value to it. Also as a thank you from the gods that we mined it, but they also allowed us to keep some of it. That's why we love to wear gold, okay? Now, what would advanced beings want with gold? Gold is a technological element, okay? For example, gold is phenomenal with electricity. If you have a copper wire and you put electricity in one end, when you get to the other end, you're not gonna have the same amount of power. Why is that? You lose energy in friction, okay? With gold, you get 100% input, 100% output. Another thing about gold is you can take it down to some of the smallest microprocessor levels and still be able to make the connections. So gold is needed for things like traveling in the space, computer hardened radiation proof, uh, cir computer circuit boards need to be have gold in them. Also, it's a great reflector of radiation. So you, you know, uh, shields for astronauts. Even in cars, for example, one of my cars has gold flakes in the actual glass to reflect radiation out. A lot of your European cars, high-end European cars, will have those gold flakes inside the windows also to reflect out radiation so you don't have to buy a window tint. Solar, uh, uh, you know, satellites have gold panels on, on them as well to reflect radiation. So gold is a technological use. And the fact that they made us mine or they had us mining it for them, to me, proves that, you know, we were given gold and we adorn it. We, we, we love it and we adorn ourselves with it because we attributed value to it based on what the ancient tablets say, it was given to us by the gods. Even down into the Yucatan and the Mayan, everywhere you go, you see the same exact story. Gold's technological. Now, also what you find in, in Egypt, in the land of Kim, they found that we had something called powder, powdered gold or monatomic gold. Now, monatomic gold, they discovered a special technique. And this is also written in the uh, Egyptian uh, records and also in the Sumerian records. So you know that these two civilizations collaborated with each other. They took this gold into a monatomic format and, and created an orum and added it to a liquid. They call it the elixir of the gods. They would then drink this, and then the same thing that it does for electronics, it does for the body. It would heal your body, it could go into your brain and speed up your synapses between your thoughts. So all of a sudden, where if you're drinking alcohol, the synapses slow down, that's how you get slurred speech, you slow down, you can't walk, you can't even drive. When you take the gold, you drink it, it goes into the brain and speeds up the synapses. It makes your brain more efficient, makes you more powerful. It also, uh, in my personal opinion, it also is great for the, reversing the aging process. You know, so that's why I've been taking the gold water for 20 years now. So I think it's a phenomenal product and it's something that I think everybody should be on. It's gonna help you with your immune system. It's gonna help you with your brain capacity. It's gonna help you with uh, healing uh, injuries and things in your body that you didn't even know you had is gonna fix that problem too. So gold water is definitely where it's at. I'm 19 Keys and this is High Level Conversation. Tap in with the guy. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We wanna make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, 
engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.